Yo, and welcome to Playing the Rube, the podcast where myself, Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com, and my cohort, Dan Walsh, attempt to be better at general managing the Phillies than Ruben Amaro Jr., who was fired in 2015. We're doing this through Out of the Park Baseball 2018. Go to OOTPdevelopments.com to get your copy of Out of the Park Baseball 2018. It's an incredible game with a really deep AI where you can play as not only any team from current day Major League Baseball or any league across the world, you can also play as a team from the past. That's what we're doing in this podcast, playing as the GMs of the 2009 Philadelphia Phillies one year after winning a world championship. Now, you may be wondering, why are you hearing me, Tim, on the podcast right now before the music? Well, that's because we're changing the format up a little bit, so you're going to hear me before the music starts now. I should tell you that you should find the podcast on all places that you can find podcasts, well, most of them at least, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker. We're also on YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. We are a Phillies Nation podcast. You can catch me on the regular Phillies Nation podcast every two weeks on Mondays, and then alternating every two weeks on Fridays, catch this podcast playing the rube. So here's what's happened previously on the podcast. Well, we stink. How about that? We started with a lot of high hopes because this was a team that was a world champion the year before, and things have gone completely south from there. We've had good performances from Chase Utley and Carlos Ruiz especially. Pitching-wise, Cole Hamels has been lights out, but everything else has pretty much gone wrong. The bullpen has been terrible. The starting rotation has not lived up to anything that we hoped, and the offense has been really tough to get going. So we are right now looking at a lot of answers, uh, or at least questions that we have to answer. The team is currently 9-22. and We found out that Pedro Feliz, our third baseman, doesn't want to play here anymore because Greg Dobbs has been stealing most of his starts, even though both guys are not good at all. And our pitching rotation is in terrible, terrible shape. Jamie Moyer is lost in the entire year because of an injury. We've had to move in guys like Bartolo Colon, Rodrigo Lopez to the rotation. None of it has worked out. That's hard to believe, huh? But now here we are at a crosshairs. We are 9-22, very, very bad. What can we do now? And that's where we begin playing the Rube. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 world champions. October 29th, 2008. Just days later, Ruben Amaro Jr. would be named general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. But what if, months after that, Ruben left. That's where we come in. Two guys living in their houses in 2017 will attempt to simulate the 2009 Phillies in answering the eternal question, could two guys living in their houses in 2017 do better than Ruben Amaro Jr. with the Philadelphia Phillies? Welcome to Playing the Rube. May 11, 2009. The Phillies are 9-22. and We were terrible. So it was an off day. Came into the office, Citizens Bank Park. Had a coffee. Knew that I was going to be working with Dan most of the day just to go over what we were trying to figure out. A, the Pedro Feliz crap was happening. 
B, we wanted to upgrade the pitching staff somehow. We weren't sure how, but we knew that at least we could talk to Charlie Manuel, the manager. With Charlie, we could potentially work on how the team was playing on the field, maybe help sort of move the infield around a little bit or figure out when pinch hitters should be used or maybe even put pitch caps on pitchers. So we started talking about that. That was most of the morning, just talking about how we were going to set a strategy with Charlie Manuel and see if maybe he would be receptive to what we wanted to do. Do we want to bring him into the office a little bit later and we can kind of go over what we want to talk to him about here first? I think that would be the mature thing for us to do instead of uh, airing our grievances about how he leaves pitchers in too long, etc. We could, uh, you know, kind of face him man to man and actually see if we could solve this problem. That's really all it was. It was just a bunch of talking to Dan about how we would work with Charlie Manuel. It was very boring stuff, but stuff that you kind of have to do and stuff that we didn't really do beforehand. I mean, this was our first time in a role like this. And we were working with a manager who's been around the block a little bit. So, you know, we had to kind of work things out for the first time. If he doesn't want to hook starting pitchers, why don't we just suggest that we maybe pinch hit a little sooner for pitchers, right? I think that's kind of a lateral thinking, right? Like it's a way of solving the same problem using different terminology. Maybe the difference is that in his mind, uh, hooking the pitcher sooner means taking him out in the middle of an inning rather than, you know, having him go longer into the game, just like letting him get out of his own jams. So, so I think you're right. I think that's kind of a, a viable way to try to prevent this problem of letting pitchers go too long into games that might or might not have been a factor in our old friend Colby Lewis not wanting to pitch for us. Plus, look, he's got a good bench. Uh, Brian Stavisky's had a decent start to the year. I know we're talking about bench and Brian Stavisky. It's weird. Um, and, you know, Pedro Feliz, I think, I mean, we might have to deal him, but in the meantime, maybe we get him somewhere at bats and Eric Bruntlett has only had like 10 at bats this year. So I think it's a viable idea to say, look, these guys on the bench need more time out there. They need a little bit more, you know, they need to be fresh. So let's get them out there a little bit more often. We talked about platooning guys, you know, the whole thing, every possible detail in baseball we just started to kind of rip off our own strategies for i would suggest maybe being a little bit more platoon heavy with him to be honest yeah so which players were you looking at platooning um i know that Feliz and greg dobbs have opposite handedness that's a one right there yeah so if we do hold on to Feliz, and, and maybe this is a way that we could keep him happy uh that would be a way to get him more playing time yeah yeah um, and in the outfield, I think Matt Stairs needs to get more time out there. And Jason Worth has struggled quite a bit to start the year. I wouldn't mind seeing Stairs get a couple starts, even though it's in right field, which is not a great idea. Um, he just needs to bat more because his bat needs to be fresh for the year. And as I said, we talked about pitch caps. I mean, this is really, really detailed, boring stuff. There is also, maybe we can mess with this a little bit. There is a strategy that we can talk about with Charlie about how much is the maximum pitch count for anybody? Oh, interesting. So would that be we set a different cap for every picture for every pitcher, or is that just one kind of hard cap in this, general? This is global. We can't we can't really talk about specific players with Charlie. He just doesn't like that. I mean, he doesn't have time for that, and frankly, I don't know if we do either. So, so if so, hypothetically, if we do go that route, is there a certain number that you have in mind? I mean, I'd say like a hundred and fifteen, maybe. Of course, that conversation ended at some point, and we knew what we had to say to Charlie Manuel. But then we wanted to move on to some of the bigger questions that we had about our team. Most of all, 
What were we going to do? We were 9-22. and 22. We were terrible. We had to make changes. And even though it was only early May, this team won a World Series last year. We were supposed to be back in the playoffs. That wasn't going to happen. And it looked like, really, that was obvious. But maybe we could change some things now. Maybe we could at least keep the long-term prospects healthy. And maybe make a huge run this year and get back into the playoff race. At the very least, though, we knew we had to do something. So we started talking about the kinds of players that maybe we could deal. The guys who had value right now, who we could afford to lose because we had something in the background that we could just plug in. We needed pitching. Who could we give up to get some pitching back? And so the two that kind of jump out at me are Ibanez and Stairs. Um, just, just thinking back to our original philosophy of trying to not only keep talent on the team, but also emphasize younger talent. Um, those are two guys who they're good enough players to maybe be desirable for another team, but they're also old enough that they would be kind of, um, removed from our core, um, earlier than some of the other guys. I, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, the thing about Abanez is he was given a pretty decent contract before the season started. So I don't know how many teams are going to want to jump at it. Uh, he's 250 with a 328 OBP and a 389 slug right now, 139 ISO. So that's not bad, but he could be better to start the year. Um, so we'd be selling low if we were to, you know, do anything with him right now. And Stairs is having a really good season, 321 with a 367 OBP. Doesn't have much power right now, uh, no home runs and just one double. But he's only had 30 plate appearances. Again, this is why we need to get him more time. Uh, so I'm with you that like both of those guys would definitely be potential trading chips. I'm thinking bigger though. I'm thinking like, would you be willing to part with either Shane Victorino or Jason Worth? Those two I could also part with. Yeah. And Victorino could bring a lot of value because he's still 28 at this point. And so he's cheap. He's making just over $3 million this year. Um, and you know, and he's young and he was hurt for part of this year. If I remember correctly, but um, but he's still you know a young player who does a lot of things well. Yeah, he's having a tough start to the year. Uh, he's at 212 with a 297 OBP and a 333 slug. He did get hurt to start the season, so he's we're just kind of seeing what he can do here coming up. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's he's the kind of player that I think any team would be interested in taking for a couple prospects, or if we wanted to get a good starting pitcher for him, I think that's very possible. He's a 70 overall and 70 potential in the game that we're playing. So he definitely could work. Jason Worth, I mean, we were given an offer from the Diamondbacks to start the season. And in retrospect, that could have actually helped us in some ways because we would have had Brandon Webb, uh, who's a pretty good pitcher. Um, and potentially one other, I forget the other guy who they were waving at us. Maybe it was Cole Mentor or something like that. But uh, Worth is not really having a great year to start, but he's getting going again. Uh, his OBP is actually in a decent 328. Um, I'd, I'd be really open to trading Jason Worth. I think he's the, the the prototypical guy with a lot of value who's cheap and a team would want to take on for a lot of, like, we, they'd give us something really good in return. Yeah, it's funny. I think the reason we were hesitant to move him before the season started is partly that the pieces we were getting back weren't flashy enough. And in our minds, we think Jason Worth, you know, um, very well-rounded player, not a lot of holes in his game. So we expected him to come out of the gates here and be uh, instrumental in our team. And we're like, well, we don't want to give him up for a few good players when he could be a great player. And then he's just been kind of bad. 
and our pitching's been awful. So we're thinking, you know, like maybe the the solid pitching would have been more valuable to us than the than the so-so offense that we're getting out of him so far. I will say that he has seven home runs already in his first 31 games. So that bodes very well, and he could definitely be a 30-home run threat this year. I feel like the average is probably going to come up. I'm going to try to look real quick uh, at his expanded stats to see what his batting average of balls in play is. And it's 254. His career uh, norm is usually around the, like the 320 range. So he's going to get a lot better this year. Um, so that tells me, like, A, we could hold on to him and just, you know, we'll get better just by virtue of him being, you know, getting just getting more time and obviously things will change. But this is the kind of guy that maybe we trade now because teams are going to want to clamor for him and, and he's definitely got a huge amount of value that teams want. And we certainly know that Worth is already a, a team or, or a player who is attractive to, you know, he at least was to the Diamondbacks, which means that probably other teams would be thinking the same thing. So between Worth and Victorino, was there one that you're more comfortable uh, listening to offers on? I mean, I said Worth a second ago, but I think I'd actually be more comfortable with Victorino just because 28 years old, his biggest asset might be his speed. Uh, His contact is pretty decent, but speed goes away quick. And once speed goes away, you have a relatively average player there. So I could see Victorino being the one who kind of fades the quicker of the two. So I'd rather let loose of him before Worth. We start with Shane Victorino, who has a lot of potential. He's an outfielder. He had a good year in 2008. He's still pretty young. But I noticed that this is a guy who his major quality is speed. Maybe we can leverage that. Speed goes away after a while. And then what you have left is whatever the player was supposed to be. And Victorino should be a pretty decent player in his prime. But we feel as if the prime is almost here. Why not trade him right now, get a lot of value in return, and maybe that value is good pitching. So we start with Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Now we also talk about some other players in our farm system that maybe we could move for a song. Maybe we can get a prospect back or even a major league player from one of these guys. Yeah, it might be a long shot, but at least we're thinking creatively for the first time in a while. We haven't really done that yet, so this is really the best time to do it. We did talk about, um, I think last week we talked about um, Paul Bacco and Paul Hoover. Uh, not really needing both, especially if we have Lou Marson, et cetera, in the, in the pipeline. Um, I'm not sure how much of a return we would really get for either, but those two, you know, at least one of them uh, is a possible uh, mover. Um, uh, I'm hesitant. Eric Hurley is still doing really well, but we, you know, he's yeah. a starting pitcher, so we might need to hold on to him for dear life, like, like I said before. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody that you think I'm missing? Not really. I mean, we had mentioned last week that Carlos Carrasco was sort of untouchable, and he'd be the only one that I think has real value right now. I think Eric Hurley still, he has value, but we also picked him up pretty easily in the in the spring training, so I don't know how much we'd get for him. Um, otherwise, you know, Jay Happ might be value, but he's not necessarily an elite potential pitcher. He's a good potential pitcher. Um, so I'm with you. I think, you know, as far as that's concerned, no. And then, and then, and then offense, you know, I'm with you on the catchers. You know, maybe Baco or Hoover can fetch us something, uh, but not not much. Probably maybe a minor leaguer, but I, I don't know if we'd get an actual major league player for those guys. Um, otherwise, you know, I think we're kind of hoping that if we trade someone like Worth, 
or Victorino, John Mayberry can come up and maybe be a major league player. So I, yeah, I think all the value that we have right now is in the major leagues. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, and and Corey Sullivan also is another name in the minor leagues. He and he and John Mayberry Jr. are both outfielders who are both playing really well so far this season. So you see how this goes on. We come up with some names. We talk about them a little bit. We go back and forth. I start thinking that eh, maybe we shouldn't make the move yet. Maybe we should. How should we go about doing this? Dan finally comes up with the answer that I think we all knew. I don't want to make any moves yet. I mean, are you interested in kind of maybe putting someone out there and just seeing if any there's a bite on anybody, or would you be content with like waiting a couple of days? Um, you know, I think the way to at least get a gauge for what avenues we should pursue rather than like keep in the abstract would be to shop some guys around. All right, who do you want to shop? So, so maybe a Victorino or a Worth, and then um, see if anybody's interested in Sullivan, and or see if anybody's interested in Baco or Hoover. You know, like try to kind of diversify who we're shopping here, so we can see like the different levels of return that we have open to us. All right, I'll start with Victorino. I'll just make a couple calls. The 2009 Phillies of playing the Rube may not be very good. Well, the 2017 Phillies might not be very good either, but they're playing a lot better. And you should go to philliesnation.com today for all of your news, rumors, information, and opinion about that team. We have a deep dive about J.P. Crawford and his good start. We also have a piece about Nick Williams, who might be the forgotten rookie in all the Reese Hoskins mania. Plus, you'll get the Phillies Nation podcast and much more. Also find us on Twitter at Phillies Nation, Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore, and Facebook.com slash Phillies Nation. PhilliesNation.com is where you can go for all of your Philadelphia Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. Go there today. All right, so there's a ton of interest in Shane Victorino. Um, and actually, boy... There's interest as far as starting pitchers who might be able to help us today. Um, huh. This is this is really interesting, man. So let me just go through the list of pitchers here who have been dangled here. Uh, the Red Sox would be willing to give us 24-year-old starting pitcher Clay Buckholtz, who currently is pitching kind of poorly in Boston this year, 7-4-0 ERA, but he's a 65 potential in the game. He's 45 overall right now. Um, The Detroit Tigers would give us Edwin Jackson, who is a 65 overall end potential. He's got a 2.52 ERA and a 6.6 K per nine this year. Okay, Garrett Richards. The Angels would be interested in giving us Garrett Richards. He's 20, though. He's he's, he's a little bit younger. He's a prospect, uh, but he's a 70 overall. Or excuse me, 70 potential, 20 overall. So that's very interesting to me. Um, let me see here. The Tampa Bay Rays, Dan, would offer us either Scott Casimir or David Price. Oh, wow. Casimir is a 40, but he's a 70 potential. He's 25. He has a pretty team-friendly contract, $6 million this year, but there's four years left on the contract. 5.08 ERA, so he's not having a great start to the year, but a 7.2K per nine, so he's still kind of in a decent place with the strikeout numbers. David Price is uh, still in the minors right now, or maybe he's in the majors, but he's not showing anything right now. He's 23 years old. He's a 40 overall and a 65 
potential. And he also has a very team-friendly deal. Um, the Chicago Cubs would offer us Randy Wells, who is 26. He's a 55 overall and a 65 potential, 6.08 ERA. They would also offer us their top infield prospect, Starlin Castro, who's 19 and has a 65 potential. The Florida Marlins would offer us Tom Kohler, who's 22, 20 overall and a 60 potential. And Anibal Sanchez, who's a 25-year-old, 30 overall, 75 potential. He has a 3.94 ERA so far in this, I think, his first season as a major leaguer. Um, the Dodgers would offer us Matt Harrison, who's 23 years old and a 60 potential. And the St. Louis Cardinals would offer us either Jaime Garcia, who's 22 and a 65 potential, or Lance Lynn, who's 21 and a 70 potential. And the Nationals would offer us Craig Stammen, who's 25 and a 60 potential and is in the majors right now. This, b- before we get into like all the different position players who might be offered for Shane Victorino. So there's a lot of interest, dude. Yeah, definitely. And guys who are, you know, these are some really good names, some really good pitchers that are in there. So I just have, I guess, three points that I want to make, and I'll try to keep them to bullet points here. <laughs> yeah. And I'll also try my hardest to actually remember them all. Um, first is that part of our decision, I think, will be based on if we want to go for upside or if we want, or if we want to go for who can help us today, you know. So do we want... Uh, a pitcher who, you know, maybe his overall rating today is a little lower, but his potential rating is a little higher? Or do we want a guy who, even if his potential is a little lower, um, can help us sooner? So that's one like decision. Anibal Sanchez is the 30 overall, 75 potential. Yeah, so perfect example. So, you know, that's one of the tough decisions that we'll have to make. Another question is, one of the difficult things about this game is that, and, you know, and playing a game as opposed to using stats in real life, is that I don't know what, is and is not predictive in out of the park. So, you know, in real life, we try to use indicators uh, to, to decide what's the true talent level and, and what's, you know, kind of smoke and mirrors, right? So things like BABIP, things like fielding independent pitching compared to ERA to try to predict, you know, what regression might be coming or what improvements might be coming. But in the, so when I hear that Clay Buckles has, what, like a seven ERA, but his rating's really good, I don't know which to value more in terms of, you know, will he help our team, you know, in his next start next month, next year. So, so that's, that's something um, that we might struggle with and have to kind of try to take a stance on. Um, The third thing is, Oh, and I'm actually going to remember them all. I'm so proud of myself. Um, the, the, The third thing is, should we try to talk to one of these teams who are interested in, you know, who are mentioning multiple names, right? So the Cubs, uh, I think, had Starling Castro and also uh, a pick, right? So um, they probably wouldn't be willing to part with both just for Shane Victorino, but maybe that could be, you know, Victorino is the start of a conversation and maybe we include some other guys or some cash or whatever um, and see if we can get more than one player in the same trade. So the market for Shane Victorino is pretty deep. And that really excites us, and we hone in on the Cubs and the Rays because they seem the most interested in the center fielder. So we start with the Cubs. If the Cubs could give us, uh, you know, if we could get a pitcher out of that and Starlin Castro, um, you know, to maybe fill out. Uh, I know he's probably used as a as a shortstop exclusively in, in the game right now, but maybe he has some 
you know, some aptitude for other infield spots too. And, could, and you know, we could kind of slide him around maybe to third, maybe fix that situation a little bit, um, and also get a pitcher. So, so those are the two teams I think that we should at least start with. Castro is a second baseman, third baseman, and shortstop in the game. Uh, both third and short are 50s, and second base is 45. So not necessarily the best, but he can play him. And, yeah, so I, so he's a 20 overall, 65 potential. He's definitely got a big contact uh, potential there, and the gap power is pretty decent. The home run power and the, and, the, and the discipline is pretty low, which kind of worries me. But he does put the ball in play a lot, and he's fast. So I think that really helps, and I think that's the kind of player that would play well in Philadelphia where you get a guy on base and then you, go, you bring up a couple of heavy hitters, try to get him home. So... I like that. Um, let me see what else the Cubs have here as far as pitching. Yeah, I still think pitching we, should be the priority um, with with and, Victorino, but it's just nice to see maybe other pieces that we can fill out. And we want to look at you know players on the major league roster who are good overall right now because we need to fill out that. I mean, they don't necessarily have a great rotation. That's the thing. Um, probably their best pitcher is actually Randy Wells, who they're offering us. Um, I like command, especially in Philadelphia. I don't want to put guys on base. And his command is a 55, which is the best of any Cub starter. Uh, so that's probably the best possible. Um, Carlos Zambrano is also pretty decent, but he's having a terrible year right now. And I feel like he makes a lot of money. Yeah, he's making $18 million this year. And he makes a lot of money for the next four years. So I don't want him. Um, let me just see if Randy Wells would move the needle a little bit. Yeah, the Cubs don't like it. Cubs think it's sort of an insult. <laughs> just want to see. Just want to see. I mean, let me call them real quick and see if there's anything that they want. It, mm, that's interesting. They would actually take Joe Blanton. Really, Blanton and Victorino for Castro and Wells. Yeah, I don't know. How I feel about that. I feel like Randy Wells could be Joe Blanton, potentially, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's maybe the same kind of picture, and then you're basically risking, you know, Victorino for an 18-year-old infielder. So, yeah, you know? who, who, you know, might not end up being better than Victorino at all in the end, you know? And so you're, you're trading kind of a sure thing and a mediocre thing for uh, a question mark and a guy who, um, you know, is just a little bit uh, above the mediocre thing. The other pitcher that is kind of interesting is Rich Harden. He's 27. He's making $7 million this year. He's a free agent after this year, so it would be really tough. But maybe that helps with his value right now, his price. Uh, but his control is only a 40, so I'm not in love with it. But his stuff is a 70, so it feels like you know he can get some strikeouts. Right now his strikeout per nine is 11.8. His walk per nine is 3.5, so I mean, it's better than Brett Myers. Um, let me just see what the Cubs would be interested in for him. Yeah, I mean they don't they don't they don't want that offer. But let me see here. Yeah, they'd only want Hamels, Rollins, or Utley. No way, no. Yeah, yeah, those belong to us. <laughs> <laughs> you can pry them so, out of our cold dead hands. Um, okay, yeah. so should we, you know, see some other teams then, or? So we start to realize that maybe the Cubs are probably asking for too much and they won't really give us enough if we're looking for a young infielder it doesn't really help for us right now and we really need more than that so we decide to move to the Rays and that gets kind of interesting we'll say 
I don't know. Who would you rather have, Casimir or Price? Huh. And this is one of those moments where you kind of have to divorce from your mind your memory of what really happened to these players, where, like, yeah. David Price, you know, became, you know, the superstar player that everybody considered for a few years there to be, like, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And he still, you know, um, has his moments. But And, and then there's Scott Casimir, who uh, really has had some highs and lows, a lot of injuries. Um, I don't know. Just real quick, Price is a 60 in stuff, 45 in movement, 45 in control. Potential is pretty good, 60, 60, 55. Uh, he has four pitches. He's got really good stamina, 93 to 95 miles an hour he can throw. Uh, although <laughs> scouts say that he's too self-important, which is interesting. Um, Scott Casimir is a 60, 45, 45, and then, poten- and then potential 60, 55, 60. Uh, so kind of the same as Price. And then he only has three pitches, but his changeup is remarkably good. Um, and he does have one of the best changeups in the game. Um, and he's good leadership skills, but he's thick-headed. So that's interesting. And he also has good stamina. So it's really kind of one or the other. Kazmir is making more money, and he's a free agent in 2012. So we'd actually have him under team control for another three seasons after this. So that's interesting. And then Price is signed. I mean, he's making $1 million and change this year, and he's... 2012 hitting arbitration. So either way, you're, it's it's kind of like the same guy. You know, you're almost getting one of the you know it's one or the other, basically. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to toss a coin, are we? Because I can if you need me to. No, I don't want to. I don't want to toss a coin. <laughs> let me let me go because Casimir makes more money. Let me just see about Casimir. You know what what it would take to get him because I feel like Price would probably take more to get him. Um. So if we're if we're trading Victorino for Casimir, we want more than that. What do you want? You want like a really good prospect, like sort of a Starlin Castro ish kind of guy? If we can, you know, the higher the potential though, the the harder it will be to get that player from them and the more we'll have to offer in exchange. So it gets a little difficult. But even if it's just like a, a so so player, um, who would be an upgrade over Greg Dobbs, for example, um, you know, that might be also you know, not a game changer for us, but a different, uh, a different element to this trade. Let me start with 21-year-old starting pitcher uh, Alex Cobb, who is their top pitching prospect. Well, him and Jeremy Hellickson are their top pitching prospects. Um, we can even start with Hellickson. Even let me just see what they think about Hellickson and Casimir. They would do it. Really? But, huh? So I, one of my guys is telling me that it's not great enough. We want more. <laughs> so what if we try to add in like a third baseman type? Okay, it gets really interesting. How about yeah. Evan Longoria? <laughs> <laughs> There's I'll no way they it. would do that. No, absolutely no, yeah, not. They they not, not. But a Jedi um, mind trick might be might be worth a shot. A who? A Jedi mind trick. A Jedi mind trick. Um, who else do they have that plays third base? Yeah. Iwamura. He's 30 years old. He plays a decent third base. He's got good numbers this year. He's making no money. Let me just see if Iwamura is interesting for them. They'd be interested in it again. Um, they'd have to think about it. And I'm still being told from our guys that it's not good enough. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. 
because you're getting, um, you know, the the headline pitcher has an overall rating similar to Victorino's uh, and potential similar to Victorino's. Plus, we're getting, you know, a potential pitching prospect in Hellickson. Plus, you're getting, you know, an infielder, um, you know, a position player to kind of fill out our roster a little bit. So it seems strange that, like, even if you disagreed over, you know, the headliners, how they how they matched up one-to-one, we're still getting all this other stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, they really love certain players and then other players they just don't really care about. Maybe they know something more. I mean, maybe dealing with Tampa is a game of dirty pool. Let me just throw in David Price and see if... <laughs> I mean, not throw. I'm I'm gonna take out Casimir and then throw in David Price instead, gotcha. and just see what they say about that deal. So again, they love Price and Hellickson. They think it's fine. Um, I mean, I can I'll throw in Iwamura, but I'm sure that's gonna go over fine with them too. What if we do Price and Casimir? Price and Casimir. They like it. Do do our people like it too? No. That it's only Shane Victorino, right? This is kind of getting ridiculous. The Rays don't mind giving up all their pitchers for Shane Victorino. But we're wondering why our guys aren't really excited about the deal. What do we have to do? So we start changing things, tweaking, moving everything around, figuring out what the best deal is for both parties. Yeah, I mean, so remember, th- we don't have to make a trade today. So this is kind of just some recon and some scouting and some intelligence gathering, right? So I think that this is interesting enough that we should keep it in mind at least. Let me just tell you right now, though, that if I ask for – I just I just asked again for Price, Casimir, and Hellickson. Again, they liked it. And our people? Nope. <laughs> nope. So our, our cronies here must be valuing – um, you know, the certain, the, the bird in the hand type thing Yeah. where we know Victorino is a 70 and, and it's also too, their thinking must be that we are trying to win now, even though we're nine and 22. Yeah. We're, we're winning now. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I would like to win now too. It's just not happening. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing more. I mean, I threw Matt Moore in and they still are fine with it. Wow, so they'll just trade us everybody who knows how to pitch. Yeah, I mean, we are... Oh, that's interesting. I just asked them for Brian Dozier with Matt, with more Hellickson, Cashmere, and Price, and they balked. But our guys liked it. <laughs> so somewhere in the middle there is the best deal. This takes a long, long time, and the entire day is basically used up on figuring out how we can move Shane Victorino for pitchers to the Tampa Bay Rays. But we do know we have something. This is really good, and it gets us really excited for the next couple days. Hey, if you like podcasts, you should listen to the Phillies Nation podcast. In fact, if you're listening to Playing the Rube right now, which you have to be if you're hearing this ad, you can find the Phillies Nation podcast right before this or even after this, depending on when you're listening. Last time on the podcast, we talked about the Philadelphia Athletics and the great history that they had in Philadelphia for a number of years. 
Coming up, we're doing the season review of 2017 with all of our favorite Phillies Nation people, guests, and much more. We're also giving out grades to all the Phillies in 2017. Check out the Phillies Nation podcast wherever you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. The Phillies Nation podcast comes out every other Monday. Check it out right now on Apple Podcasts and other podcast places. The Phillies Nation podcast is live. May 12, 2009. The Phillies are still 9-22. and but now we have a game tonight against the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are really, really good. But we first had to talk about the things that happened yesterday. All right, so you slept on the trade talk with the Rays. Are you feeling any different today than you were yesterday? I still think that there are some very interesting possibilities there. And I like that we could get back so many players. Um, you know, So obviously we would have a few highlights in the package, but also guys that would give us depth, which we're so desperate for, especially among pitchers, um, maybe some of which we could even flip for Victorino's replacement if we had to. So definitely something that I think we should keep uh, keep in mind. Yeah, all right. So we'll, we'll give it a couple more days. Maybe we can wait till the end of the series here, and if we have to trade Victorino, we can do it before a road trip so the fans don't get really upset. Also, we had to talk about my meeting with Charlie Manuel. I had him in the office in the morning. We talked about all the strategy stuff and Pedro Feliz. It seemed to go pretty fine. He seemed to be pretty receptive to our stuff. We kind of didn't tread the big waters that he doesn't like to tread. So we'll see what happens here. I don't think we need to touch Pedro yet, right? No, nothing urgent. Maybe some some increased playing time would improve his mood and also his um, performance. Um, yeah, so assuming that we can drag Charlie into the, you know, 1990s and uh, learn about platooning players, I think it, should, it could work out for us. So it was time to play the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, as I said, really, really good. Dan figured it wouldn't go very well. All right, it was a 4-3 to loss. Yeah, see? I told you. <sighs> <laughs> that sound, that, all of our listeners will be very pleased with that sound. Yeah, and it looks like, you know, we had a one nothing lead for a while, and it just didn't work out. We came back late in the ninth, but it wasn't enough. Blanton pitched well. Uh, he gave up just an earned run, and Brad Lidge gave up three earned runs in a two-thirds of an inning. That sinks. Victorino went three for four, upping his trade value. Good, good, <laughs> good. Now we can get their whole team for him. May thirteenth, two 2009. The Phillies are now 9-23. and 23. Maybe we should actually upgrade the bullpen. They're not pitching well either. Dan had a pretty good idea. So we're, you know, in our trades, we're, we're talking about starting pitchers. I, I just want to know how easy would it be to restock our bullpen? Yeah, it could be pretty easy. I think we could probably make it happen. We don't have to trade Shane Victorino for it. Do we want to explore? No, I certainly hope not. Do we want to really quick, before the day's over, explore Corey Sullivan trade? We can look at that. Sullivan, maybe Baco or Hoover or, or you know, whoever. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we go with Baco or Hoover? I like that idea. And then something really, really interesting jumped into our lap. Okay, we're getting a lot of uh, bites, actually. There's a lot of, a lot of names. Wilson Valdez just came up. Ooh. Perfect. See, we needed a reliever. <laughs> okay, more interesting than that. All right, so we got a pretty good amount of bites for Paul Baco. Johnny Gomes, wow, that's an interesting bite. 
28 years old. He's a 50 overall, 50 potential. That's a that's wow. Wow, I wouldn't have expected that at all. Yeah, maybe that's a replacement for Shane Victorino when we trade him. We start looking at other options too. See if maybe the Blue Jays would be interested in Baco or the Red Sox. We kind of entertain a bunch of pitching names. Nobody really bites at it. Then we start talking about the Rays again and if maybe we could package Victorino and Matt Stairs for a bunch of guys. But we seem like there's something there with the Baco trade for Johnny Gomes. We put a little cap on it and we continue on because now we have another game to play against the Dodgers. Can we win our 10th game of the year? No, we can't. So it's a 3 nothing loss. We didn't even get a run here. Uh, that that noise again. Yeah, I'm going to make that my text tone, I think. Brent Myers actually pitched decently. Gave up three runs in eight and a third. Six strikeouts, one walk. He threw 118 pitches. I thought we agreed to not have that happen. Yeah, I thought we did. I thought we did. That's very interesting. Do we need to talk about Charlie Manuel's long-term future now? We might at some point, but the fact of the matter is that it it doesn't matter how many pitches he threw if we didn't score a run. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. But you know he's deliberately defying what we had asked him to do. Yeah, he also might not understand how numbers work. Well, that's not a good idea. We can't have that guy <laughs> employed if he can't understand how numbers work. May fourteenth, two thousand nine. The Phillies are nine and twenty four. Dan comes into the office raring to go. He wants to make a trade, and he's not pulling any punches whatsoever. Let's see if packaging stairs and Victorino leads to an offer that we can't refuse, and not in a way where we're like scared that if we refuse, we, we get shot. Just like a really good offer. I've heard that uh, Friedman, the GM of the, of the Rays, does have, I believe, a nice collection of Uzis in his closet. So... Maybe we should be careful. <laughs> well, he still he, he still seems so generous for someone that's <laughs> that's in that situation. All right, so Shane Victorino plus Matt Stairs, and the original offer was David Price, Scott Casimir, Jeremy Hellickson, um, and then we we ended it with uh, Brian Dozier. So it's funny they actually don't like the deal now. Of course they don't. Now, we could take out Dozier and do whatever we want here. So, if we take out Dozier, let's say we take out Hellickson too. We start with Price and Cashmere for Victorino and Stairs. We would need an outfielder, correct? Yeah, if we could get one. So, what if we were to go for... Would there be any way that they would give up 35-year-old Jermaine Dye? He's making a ton of money, though. $11.5 million. That's a lot of money for Jermaine Dye. It is. And that would even work for our finances. We'd have to add money to it. So let's just hold off on that one. Um, they don't really have any other outfitters that are worth giving. Like, Desmond Jennings is 22, but he's only a 25 overall and a 30 potential. And then Gabe Gross is a 20 in both. I don't love that. Um, yeah, they don't really have anybody else who, like, screams out right now. 
we could try to pluck like BJ Umpted from them. Oh yeah. Like if, what are his ratings? Just his overall. He's a seventy. Now that's interesting. He's twenty four years old and he's pretty cheap. Uh, he's only making four hundred. He's making the minimum. Arb next year. He's having a tough season to start though. So it's basically like we're hoping that he turns it around, which he probably will. Um, but now the Rays would want more. Yeah, absolutely they would. Let me ask him how much more that they would want. Yeah, they would they would want like one of the top guys or worth. That's not that's not worth it. So the Rays, the very same team that would give us their entire pitching staff for Shane Victorino, would want a lot more if we're trying to get an actual hitter from them, and Matt Stairs would not move the dial. So we start thinking about other options, the Marlins, the Angels, and then Dan remembers something from yesterday. I'm still thinking about Paul Bacco, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, I'm still thinking about him. Wasn't it him we could have gotten Johnny Gomes for? Johnny Gomes, who plays left and right field. He doesn't play center. Uh, He's a 50 overall, 50 potential. He's got good gap power and home run power. His discipline's actually 45, but it's a potential 55. He's 28. He doesn't make a lot of money. There's a lot of good things here. And he'd be... I mean, especially for Paul Bacco. Like, I don't know why another team would trade him to us for Paul Bacco. Yeah. So... If we were to do that, let me let me put Baco in here. Let's just see if Cincinnati's still interested. And yeah, they would do it. Flat out, one for one. And our guys love it. Is there I mean, is there a financial issue here? I mean, I just don't understand. Is there a downside for us? Our money would only drop by three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So so do we, I mean, do we just do it? Because what I'm thinking is either he gives us an outfielder so we can afford to trade stairs or Victorino or both or whatever um, without having to rely on Stavisky and Sullivan, you know, at the same time or, or whatever it is um, on our 25-man. Um, or try to flip Gomes for a reliever, for, you know, some other piece of start, like a decent starter maybe. Uh, like a number three starter. Um, you know, like, I, I just think that it gives us some options. I'm trying to feel, like, I feel like it's too obvious. Yeah, no, but maybe I'm overthinking it. Let me just see if there's anything here about Gomes that is, like, a red flag. I mean, he's having, like, sort of a mediocre year, but it's not terrible. He's hitting 236, 323 OBP, 436 slug. Um, career-wise, you know, he's had, for the most part, a decent career. Um... Good OBP. He's not an injury risk. Scouting reports say that he's an average hitter. Has power, can go yard on a pitcher's mistake. Needs to refine his judgment a little bit. Smooth defender, below average runner. Slow to learn from experience. So he's sort of a clubhouse dope, maybe a little bit. But... No, I think like he's a fly ball hitter and he's a pull hitter. Like he'd work in Philadelphia. Yeah, and again, it's it's Paul Baco that we're trading for. Yeah, it's Paul, <laughs> you know, Paul it's, freaking Baco. Yeah, what are we doing? It, yeah. So 
we can trade Baco and we can move bring Marson up, to to AAA immediately. Yeah, bring up Marson. He's he was doing well last time I looked at his stat line well enough certainly to try to reach that next level. Um, and then, you know, we, then we did something interesting and exciting instead of just turning into like the Tim and Dan twiddle their thumbs and stress about nothing podcast. But I think that. I think that a Victorino trade needs to happen. I think I think like it's if we make this move here, we can then turn around and trade Victorino for a ton of pitching, a ton of pitching. Yeah, and keep Worth then for a little while. Put him in center. Yeah, you know, unless we have a, an alternative that we think of down the line, um, just slot Gomes into where Victorino's been. Um, and the other thing too is that. Victorino hasn't been great for us, and I, like I said before, I really like him as a player, and I, I don't think that he would like hit. I forget what he's hitting this season for us, like two twenty maybe. I don't think he'd hit that forever, but it's not like we would be creating a hole in our lineup that hasn't been there for the last thirty games already. Let's do this deal. Right? Let's, let's, let's. I was going to say, is there? Do you feel any trepidation at all about this actual, this actual first deal here? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no, this is like I don't okay. know why we're not trading yesterday this starting a catcher for Johnny Gomes, who's a decent player. Let's do it. Okay. I'm sure. calling. Done. We did it. So we did it. We made the first big move. We got Johnny Gomes from Cincinnati for Paul Bacco. Who knows why, but it worked. And so now we can focus all of our attention on trading Shane Victorino and moving Johnny Gomes into the outfield. Whatever we have to do with the fifth outfielder, we can do at some point. No big deal. This was going to work out. Oh, also, we played the Dodgers and lost yet again. Five to two. We were swept. Whatever. Who cares? Move on. May 15th, 2009. The Phillies are now 9 and 25. But we feel better. We made a really good trade, at least we felt that way, and we are ready, ready, ready to make another big trade. But we still want to kind of look at some things before we go nuts. I'm coming in this morning and we're in Washington. We have a doubleheader today. It'll be Landon against Cole Hamels, which is fantastic. We were able to line up Hamels for this one. Um He's the one pitcher that's actually better than most of the other pitchers in the National League right now. And do we want to do anything yet as far as the Victorino trade? Do we want to wait? Do we? What do we want to do right now? Um, you know, I don't think we have to do anything today. But if you know, if your trigger fingers get itchy, I wouldn't. I wouldn't slow you down or anything. I don't think we necessarily have anything to wait for. I think it's pretty safe to say that we're not going to make the playoffs this season. So. Um, you know, it's not like we have to hold on to him and just kind of see what happens and make sure the timing is right or anything like that. I don't need to move today, but I think we should move very soon here. I think it's it's within the next couple of days here we should make that move. May sixteenth, two thousand nine. The Phillies are still nine and twenty five because the first game of our series against the Nationals was rained out. So we have a double header today. Still, we decide to wait. All right, we went one and one in the doubleheader today. It was a four to one win in game one, so of course the Hamels game, right? Yeah, the Hamels game, yeah. Um, and then a three nothing loss in game two. <laughs> Can't score runs. No, I mean, so so the games that we've simmed in the last two series, we've gotten some good pitching, not you know elite stuff necessarily every game, it's, but we're not scoring runs all of a sudden. So Cole Hamels may have had the best game of his career in game one. Um, 
nine innings, complete game. He gave up a run, but only four hits. Uh, one of the hits was an Adam Dunn home run, so you can't blame him. And 13 strikeouts and no walks. It's pretty good. That is good, though. 13 strikeouts. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and in the game, Shane Victorino went two for four with a <laughs> He's been one of the hottest players on the team. Um, yeah, we trade him. I don't know if we're, if we're ever going to score. Yeah, right. And in game two, we lost three to nothing. Um, Rodrigo gave up three runs in seven and two-thirds, struck out five, walked two. He was fine, but wasn't good enough to win it. Uh, apparently, Garrett Mock is much better because he didn't give up a run in seven innings. So that's great. And so no no time for Johnny, Johnny Gomes yet. Uh, nobody Chris Coase had the only hits in this game. And in the doubleheader... For some reason, Charlie only played uh, Chris Coast as the backup, so it's good. <laughs> really good stuff from Charlie Manuel. Yeah, interesting choice is the nicest thing I can say about that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I think we're done for this day, and we'll just come back and finish up this DC series. May seventeenth, two thousand nine. The Phillies are ten and twenty-six. Now we're starting to get itchy, but we continue to play this series. Yeah, I think we should do that. We should be texting under the table as we're watching the game. Okay, that sounds good. So why don't, why don't we see what happens in this game? And it's, it's uh, oh, Joe Blanton's going, but it's uh, our old friend Colby going for the Nationals. I uh, never heard of him. I don't know who that is. 3.99 ERA. For Colby Lewis? For Colby Lewis. So not lights out, but definitely good enough that we could use it. Yeah. But I feel like the like the acid reflux that I felt when we last faced him, I think is is waning at least. So 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 it's at least some production there. Maybe you're just eating healthier. That's I mean I'm trying. <laughs> we lost nine to four to Colby Lewis. Yeah, it basically was to Colby. He gave up no runs. He only pitched three innings. He was injured. Oh. Huh. Huh. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Well, yeah, we can be cruel. He's not real. That's um, what I'm saying. In real life, <laughs> I would never root for injury. Like, Bryce Harper gets hurt, and I'm sad inside, and that's Bryce Harper. But in this game, I could, like, let out all those feelings that I can't in real life. Yeah, Bland did not pitch well. He uh, gave up five runs in five innings. Clay Condry did not pitch well in relief. Johnny Gomes got in there and he had one he had one plate appearance, uh, pinch hit, and what did he do? He drove in two with a single. That is Paul Baco right there. Yep, and he stole a base after that. That's perfect. See that trade? I, honestly, that trade's already we already won that trade. I think we, we basically did win the trade. So what do you think? We need pitching. We don't have pitching. We clearly need to make some changes here. You ready to do it? You ready to make a trade? You want to do it? I'm ready to make a trade. All right. I like your style. We go back to the Rays. We want pitching. We need pitching. So we go for the best. The question then becomes, what else can we get? Do we want more pitching? Do we want another arm with Casimir and Price? I think we want just the best player we can get. Pitching would be great. Um... But if they're, you know, if we can grab a third baseman, for example, instead, or like another outfielder, or whatever, um, just like the best talent available. But pitching, obviously, is the thing that we need the most. We start looking into who we need most, especially on the infield. Maybe we can get someone from the minor leagues. We had talked about Brian Dozier, but we also need a reliever. 
We still want good starting pitching, so we start to talk to the Rays about a lot of different options. What works best? What can we do? It all comes to a head. In uh, Price and Casimir, right? Yep, yep. And, and Hellickson, um, Hellickson's already a 60. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, <laughs> how much money are we, are we losing in this? Um... We would our money would improve by four hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. I mean, so that sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, and, and our guy says this deal does not make too much sense. I just for slightly more, maybe a prospect. We can maybe throw another prospect. Let me see here. I don't know how much would work here, but maybe Justin Garcia. He's a twenty-two-year-old closer. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is maybe a maybe a reliever that they wouldn't miss too much. See, they would they would do it, but we still would want more. Alex That's Cobb? crazy. Alex Cobb? Sure. He would do it. But we they would but our guy wouldn't our guy doesn't like it. This so the only explanation I have and, and you know, because we're not losing a ton of money, my first thought was like maybe we're brushing up against the budget, but we're not. It must be because the game has us slotted as win now. Because I yeah. know that when you make trades with other teams it says like rebuilding, neutral, win now or whatever. It must be because we're set at win now and the players with the highest ratings are coming from us to them, and that's not usually what you would think of doing when you're win now. All right, what if we were to let me just like see if I can like add like a good relief pitcher on the Rays right now, like Dan Wheeler. He's 31. They would do it, but our guy wouldn't like it. What? <laughs> see, suddenly we're gonna have we're gonna have to kick a bunch of guys off the 40 man roster just because we're getting so many. Jesse Crane, oh, so they say we'd have to think about this. Please submit, and I'll answer shortly. And our guy says this works. Okay, so maybe we could. Is that? Do you think that's a good uh, like resting point, and then we'll we'll get a gauge if it goes through. It goes. Playing the Rube is a presentation of philliesnation.com. You can find it where you find all podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and YouTube.com slash philliesnation. My thanks to Brian Michael, the executive producer of the podcast, also the founder and owner of philliesnation.com. Also thanks to Dan, my cohort, for doing this all the time. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Playing the Rube. Until then, have a good one. I'm Tim Malcolm. (laughs) 